The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm excited to be back. Um, I think the last time I hosted, I started with that exact same message um, but uh, it's just been a little bit of a crazy winter for me, and I have been traveling around a bit and uh, not as available to host as I have been, but I hope to be with you a little bit more frequently uh, as spring comes on. So uh, really excited to have you all here today. We have what I think is going to be a really great show. Um, the Common App prompts for the 2017-2018 season were released um, a couple of weeks ago. And we wanted to devote a segment on the show to taking you through the prompts. Um, for those of you new to the process, well, then they're all new to you. For those of you who've maybe been through it with uh, uh, an older sibling or older kids, uh, there have been some changes. And so we're going to walk you through those changes and uh, help you better understand the prompts and what they're looking for. And then we're also going to be talking a little bit about how to get started on that essay. You know, once the prompts come out, you start to think about, oh, maybe I need to think about what I'm going to be writing about, what prompt is going to be right for me. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But before we get to all of that, uh, it's always equally important, not just the getting in, but also the how are you going to pay for it all. And so in this week's finance, college finance seg segment, we're going to be talking about uh, scholarships and financial aid, and really most importantly, those that are renewable. Um, for the four years, hopefully only four years, that you're in school. And to do that, I'm super excited to welcome my colleague, Cheryl Hunt, um, who this is her inaugural show for her, so we want to give her an especially warm welcome. She's a 27-year college finance veteran, um, including doing financial aid or working as a financial aid officer at Chapman University in Azusa Pacific in California. Welcome, Cheryl. How are you? I'm great, Beth. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show, um, and we hope it's a good experience, so you'll be willing to come back. Um, but uh, I think, you know, today's topic is renewable scholarships and financial aid, and I, I do think actually one of the things that our listeners might be saying is, what is renewable and what does that mean? And, and what they might not be aware of is the fact that um, not every scholarship you get is necessarily good for all four years. Um, it could just be a one year or... Um, I suppose there are those that come that are just guaranteed for all four years and you don't have to think about it after that. So can you talk to us a little bit about um, what types of financial aid might be considered renewable or, or kind of the whole question of four-year awards, one-year awards, renewable awards? 
What are the differences? Okay. Well, let me start out first by just saying that there are some types of aid that aren't technically renewable, but the student might be eligible for the award, say, from one year to another. And it really depends on the type and source of aid. So it's kind of important to kind of lay the groundwork there. The sources of aid can come from federal and state governments, uh, the colleges and universities, or even private organizations. And there are two types of need-based aid, or two types of aid, I should say, need-based, like a Pell Grant, and non-need-based aid, like a merit-based aid or scholarship. And need-based aid, when you're looking at your award letter, usually will take into consideration a family, say, income and assets. And when we talk about scholarships in particular, they're, generally speaking, not based on need. And again, these can come from the college or a private organization. When you hear the word grants, these usually are based on need and the eligibility is reassessed each year. So that's an example of where a scholarship may be renewable for up to four years, but a Mm -hmm. grant may be reassessed as far as the eligibility from one year to the next. And the same would be true for federal work study if that's part of the aid package. And also even some of the loan types are based on need as well. And so it's not a guarantee, but it may be that the student is eligible for them for one year uh, to the next. Uh, Before I go a little bit too further down the road, do you want to mention that with any of the need-based grants, whether they're eligible or you could be eligible for them, uh, I should say renewable or eligible for one year to the other, it's important that you know that they reassess your eligibility every year. So they'll look at the family's income or the assets based on possibly information provided on the FAFSA. So if your family size or your number in college changes, let's say it's an older child graduates from college or you have a student that starts college, that can change the eligibility for the need-based types of aid, whereas the merit-based scholarships usually only change if you don't meet some kind of criteria like a GPA or maybe a participation in a sport. So for the need-based types of aid, a question that I highly recommend when you first get that award letter is to ask the financial aid office, if there is little to no change in my expected family contribution, will my package stay the same? So I just wanted to kind of give a a little bit of information there talking about need-based versus non-need-based because there sometimes can be a confusion over that when the student's looking at their award letter. Right, exactly. So if you win the lottery, all of that need-based aid is going away. But ideally, your merit-based aid will never have been based on what your parents were making uh, or what you might have in the bank. And so for that reason, that if you're maintaining that high level that got you the merit scholarship, you should probably continue to get it, assuming it's something that's going to be there year over year. So, um, well, so here's a good question then. What do you want to be specifically aware of when it comes to those renewable scholarships and financial aid? What are some questions that you want to be asking or paying attention to? It's a great question. As a student reviews their award letter, or an offer of a scholarship, because it could be an award letter from the college or it could be from an outside source from a private organization saying, we're giving you this scholarship. There are some great questions that should be asked. One, is the scholarship or aid that I see renewable? And basically, and you kind of alluded to this, renewability is really basically proving that you still deserve the award from one term or from one year to the next. So you want to ask if it is renewable, how long is it renewable for? Is it four years or is it until the program is completed? You want to ask, will the amount change? 
sometimes, and we've heard, we've just worked with families recently where they were given a four-year scholarship, but the amount for the first year was substantially more than in years two, three, and four, for whatever reason that might be. Also, it's important to ask, what does that scholarship cover? Is it tuition only? Can it go towards on-campus room and board or general living expenses or supplies? And that's an important question to ask because if you are given a four-year tuition scholarship from your school, but then you also get an outside scholarship that, generally speaking, only is allowed to go towards tuition, then you need to ask from one source or the other, is there a possible way that I can use this money in another area that's an educationally related expense? Uh, Another question to ask is, is it portable? For example, a state grant that you might offer that might be renewable from one year to the next, can it be used at another school or am I just uh, only able to use it at that one school? Certainly in the area of renewability criteria, that's really important to ask. All right, it's great that I have this scholarship that you're telling me is renewable for up to four years, but what is it that I have to do to maintain that? Oftentimes, with a scholarship, it's going to be a grade point average, and you'll want to ask, how often is that measured? Is it the end of each term or the end of each year? Is there some type of service requirement, like community or outreach? Also, is it a participatory scholarship? Did I get that based on my skill in athletics or the arts, dance, music, or theater, or even leadership? So usually if it's a participatory type scholarship, it means that maybe if you're in the orchestra that you have to perform at least in two performances that they offer up within the award year. Sometimes the renewable criteria can be enrollment status. Do I have to be full-time? Can I be part-time? And if I do drop below full-time, what does that mean? So those are some of the things that, that are important, I think, to ask. No, and I think it's a really good point. I know that my stepson got um, a scholarship to the school that he's attending, and one of the criteria for renewability was GPA. And his dad, my husband, was very clear, you know, you need to be hitting this because if not, then you'll have to come home because um, this is a big component of your ability to pay for or our ability to pay for um, you to attend this school. So you want to make sure that you're paying close attention to that. I'm not sure we thought to ask about whether it would be the end of each term or the end of the year. So as I always say, when I host this show, I learn something new every day. (laughs) What a great question, right? Because if you're having a bad term, but you can bring it back up because they're only looking at the end of the year, then you're great. But if they're looking at every term, that means it's always hanging in the balance and you really have to be extra vigilant in that case. Right. And I like that you you brought up the thought about What's going to happen if there is a loss? Because ultimately, and this really should happen up front, but I'll also probably mention again if there's the opportunity at the end, is that ultimately when you're offered this fantastic scholarship, it could be $80,000, you know, that's over the course of four years. That sounds great. But ultimately, you may have to ask yourself that very difficult question in the beginning. Can I afford to stay at this school if the loss is so great that my family can't make up the difference? So I love that you brought that up about your stepson. Yeah, and I mean, I think in that situation, it was perhaps a little bit more of 
not a scare tactic necessarily, but just more of a, hey, be aware, this is really important. But at the same time, I should mention that my stepson is killing it there and there's no danger, knock on wood, at least, um, after a year and a half that that is going to be in any way, shape or form an issue. But um, it's a good one. And I think it points up a larger issue that we talk about a lot on the show, which is the importance of having honest conversations between parents and students about, you know, what are the expectations for when the student goes away to school and what are the repercussions if expectations aren't met? Um, and that's probably a particularly good one because there's nothing worse than getting yourself into a ton of debt, um, especially if you get yourself into a ton of debt because you're not doing well, which yeah. might mean that you end up in a ton of debt and you don't even get your degree, which would be probably worst case scenario um, when we think about it. Um, what, what about this question of, so again, for our listeners, it may be news that these scholarships and financial aid awards aren't automatically, you know, just those over there for four years. Awesome. Um, for these schools where you're meeting criteria, um, are they generally automatically renewable? Are there things that students are going to have to reapply for year over year? How does that typically work if there's a typical well, thing? Sure. Well, first of all, I'll say to use a phrase that's quite often used in the college finance process, it depends. And there are questions that should be asked again at the point at which the scholarship is offered. And that would be, do I need to apply again? And if so, how often? Is it once a year? Is there a checkpoint beyond that? And what forms are required? Is it just the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, or is there some type of supplemental form that I need to complete? Like maybe it's with the participatory type of scholarship. Do I have to have somebody sign off that I did actually do what I said? And then not only what forms are required, but what are the deadlines involved? I think that's one that kills sometimes in a bad way that... They know that it needs to something needs to happen and that's renewable, but they just lose sight that there's actually a deadline attached, that even if they're meeting the criteria, if they miss the deadline, then that scholarship or the renewability of it could go out the window. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing kind of more important than hitting your deadlines, especially when it comes to financial aid and any type of aid awards, because if you're not there to collect it, there's always a student standing right behind you who did get their stuff in on time, and that money could very easily go to them. Um, What happens if you do lose your eligibility um, for a renewable scholarship? Uh, You know, sort of like I was saying, my stepson's doing really well. We're not seeing any danger of that. But what if, um, you know, what if your child is in a different situation? Or what if you as a student are in a different situation? Any particular things to do pretty much right away if you think you're going to lose eligibility or if you have? Oh, absolutely. I'll take a step back by saying, again, when the offer of aid or that award is first offered, ask right then and there, since especially if it's a first time that's offered and you're trying to make a decision with schools, ask if there is a policy on reinstatement should the eligibility requirements not be met. And then ask questions like, okay, who is the contact person for the scholarship? Should I have any questions about the scholarship and how can Mm -hmm. I contact them? If there is a reinstatement policy, ask how does it work? It really varies from school to school. And because the source of the scholarship, if you get one from outside and one from the college, can work very differently, you need to ask how it works. Some schools will have a probation or warning period, and if that's the case, you'll definitely want to know 
will there be some type of an extension of grace, so to speak, you know, be extended for mm-hmm. one term? Or are there multiple times that I can have this second or third chance? And then if so, is there some kind of form to complete? And is there a deadline attached? I think the most important thing, and I think that's where you started out with, is should you see or you have the potential to see that you're not going to meet the eligibility requirements, it's so important to be proactive before the loss happens. So you want to communicate as soon as possible with the source of the scholarship if you think that you're not going to meet the criteria, especially if it's due to some unforeseen circumstance like illness or death in the family. And if the aid is lost, you certainly can ask the school, can you consider replacing it with any need-based types of aid if you have eligibility? And also, is there an appeal process? So even if there isn't a reinstatement policy where they say it's a once and done, once you lose it, it's lost forever, Mm -hmm. ask them if they do have an appeal process. It really doesn't hurt to ask that. Um, So that's what I would say just up front is just to know what the policy is, know who to contact, and definitely make that contact as early as possible. And I think that the one point that you made that I just want to reinforce before we wrap this up is the idea that you want to be asking these questions before you make your final decision. Because what you might find is you're choosing between two colleges who've both given you wonderful awards that is going to make it possible. But one school may have a really well thought out process for reinstatement and be very, um, you have all the information you need about who to contact. And it just may be in many ways less restrictive or more forgiving. And that may be the better bet for you Um, especially if you have any concerns about your ability to or your child's ability to adjust to college. Um, And that policy, the way they set those policies now is going to probably tell you quite a bit about how, what your experience might be if there are any issues later on. So, um, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us. And um, this is really great information and very timely. Of course, we arrange these segments so that they are timely, but for everybody who's starting to get their awards and scholarship information, um, you know, hopefully you, uh, this is really helpful to you and you can have other people who you think it might be helpful to listen as well. So thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be right back with the new Common App prompts for the 2017-2018 application season. So don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. 
Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, I promised you that we were going to be talking about the new Common App prompts, and because I always deliver on my promises, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, but of course, it's always, it's not going to be just me taking you through them. And so uh, joining me is my colleague, Lauren Randall, who also just happens to be a former Georgetown admissions officer. Lauren, thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Beth. It's great to be here. All right. Awesome. So um, these prompts came out, gosh, I don't even know, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, and I know that at this time of year when the Common App does sort of announce any changes, some years, actually for many years, they made no changes to the prompts. Um, now we've had changes a couple of years in a row. Um, but I do know that it always sort of gets me thinking about, um, you know, what's changed, how this might affect the things that my students might write about. Um, we, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next segment, but I did want to take everyone through the, this year's prompts. Um, so with that in mind, why don't we start with the first one? So the question number one for the Common App in this year is, some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, then please share your story. So what's yeah. your reaction to this one? Well, I'm not surprised here that Common App uh, did not make any changes to the first prompt. And there's a good reason for it. It's because it's the most popular prompt. Um, <laughs> in the last year's application cycle, over 45% of, of students chose this prompt to respond to. So if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So if, if yep. students love this and they're responding to it, um, no changes were made. And I, I think it makes sense. 
uh, I think students really see this as, as the catch-all prompt. You can really interpret it however you want and um, choose to write something that's personal, important to you, and, and this prompt really uh, speaks to that. So no changes, changes made to that. I do want to say one thing here is that overall, yes, there's, there's some big changes, but coming up, the one thing that has not changed when we're going through each one of these is that there's no right or best option to choose from. So we're going to go mm-hmm. through all of them, but I do want to point that out that when we're picking through some of the differences, the one thing that doesn't change is that there's no way to game this and try to figure out, well, what's the best one or what's the right one? It really needs to speak to you. So I want to just send that reminder out to parents, to students. Um, don't overthink the prompts. Remember that there is no right or best one. Yes, I totally would second that. I would also second the fact that I know why this is the n- most popular prompt. Um, I would say that probably 100% of the students I work with end up selecting this. Um, in my mind, this is, and not to, you know, sort of um, spoiler alert, but for me, this is t- topic of your choice. It's what used to be topic of your choice. Um, and I Agreed. really feel like, you know, that everything that doesn't fit the other prompts really, if it's important enough um, to be writing about for your college essay, it works for this prompt. So anyway, not Absolutely. to believe the point because we have uh, seven of them to go through, which is a little crazy. Uh, all right. So question two this year, the lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback, or failure. How did it affect you, and what did you learn from the experience? A couple changes to this one, right? Yes, there are. So this one did change, but only a few key words. So the old prompt from, from last year, it only focused on the word failure. So lessons we can take, we take from failure will be fundamental to success and is asking you to recount a time that you failed. Well, the the prompt this year, the changes that are made, put in a few key word changes here. Now it's about obstacles, challenges, or setbacks, not just failure. And I'm really happy about these changes because I think that the old problem, what we we saw from students writing it, was inherently really negative. That the essay had an overall really negative feel I feel like they, um, students that tried this prompt would end up writing maybe two-thirds about this failure, something negative, and then all of a sudden, ta-da, the, the last paragraph would be, well, and then I won the race, or I overcome, and it was, right. you know, trying to put in a little bit of optimism or hope in the last few sentences, but overall left the admissions officer with a really negative impression. So I think that that putting in those words and, you know, maybe a student might, uh, might skip over them, but I think they're really important. Obstacle, challenge, setback, they're, I see these as more of an opportunity word than just a negative failure kind of uh, term here. So yeah, I, and I, I think, think that there's an opportunity to focus on the positive. Yeah, I agree. I think, I like that they added those. I still, I will be interested to see my guesses that unless they're listening to us talking or listening to other people telling them this, that we're still going to see many, many essays that are three quarters about the setback or the obstacle or the failure and one quarter where they're, you know, to borrow a phrase from Seinfeld, yada, yada, yadding over the most important stuff, which is 
how, what'd you do? How'd you overcome it? Right. What was the more positive. So I think that's going to be the challenge. I'm not sure they've eliminated that, but we'll see. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction, as you say, to focus on more positive words versus the, you know, real negativity that can accompany failure. Um, even if I agree, but and I, I would also say that at the very least, students, if they're still going to write the same essay, if they're still going to write uh, that they didn't win the race, well, you know, that was never really a failure. Maybe that's a challenge. Maybe that's an obstacle or setback. But not winning the race or not getting president, that's not necessarily a failure. So I'm glad that, right. the, that the tone of it has changed a bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So the new question number three is reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea. What prompted your thinking and what was the outcome? Yeah. So again, this did change from last year and in it might appear in subtle ways, but I actually think it, it's pretty significant in, in change. And that's because so the prompt last year um, was about more about action. It said, reflect on a time that you challenged a belief or an idea. What prompted you to act? And would you make that same decision again? So last year, in order to respond to this prompt, you mm-hmm. inherently had to have done some kind of action. And that's a pretty intimidating or big thing for, for a lot of people, let alone a 17-year-old. So yep. I think that these changes, it might seem subtle, but it's, to me, it's a really different question. Now it's about uh, curiosity, more about intellectual engagement. It's about questioning the world around you. You don't have to act on it. You have to think about it and express those feelings and, and that thought pattern and, and how you came to, to question those things. So I, I really hope this used to be the least uh, responded to prompt. And I, I've always loved this prompt, but I think that hopefully this opens up more of an opportunity for students to, to respond to this prompt, because I think it really shows the admissions officer that you're willing to step outside your comfort zone and, and engage in some tough questions or, or topics that will probably present, you'll be presented with on a college campus. Um, so yeah. again, this is more about curiosity rather than action. Yeah, I totally agree. And I felt like with the old one, the old version of the prompt, unless you were someone who was a serious activist, which does not describe Mm -hmm. most people, let alone most teenagers, that it was really tough to imagine many students having something to say about this. Whereas I totally agree now, I think there are a lot of students who might have something to say about this. So excited to see what comes of that. Um, All right, question four. Uh, describe a problem you've solved or a problem you'd like to solve. It can be an intellectual challenge, a research query, an ethical dilemma, anything that is of personal importance, no matter the scale. Explain its significance to you and what steps you took or could be taken to identify a solution. Yeah, no changes here. It's word for word the same as it was last year. Um, and I, I like this this prompt. I think that it gives the... Um, maybe the creative type or um, the entrepreneur or the mm-hmm. uh, budding engineer um, a chance to, to, to respond to a prompt that they might relate to a little bit more. But I want to point out that this is, I think the key words here is that it, it says personal importance no yes. matter the scale. So uh-huh. we don't need a, a solution to global warming here. It could be something much smaller in your life. Um, but something that matters to you, explain why and, and, and how the steps that you're going to take or what you're thinking about, 
Um, again, no matter the scale. So you don't need to take on huge, huge, huge problems unless you're so inclined. Um, so don't let this, this question intimidate you, but there are no changes from last year. Yeah, I have to laugh because I underlined personal importance because that is the key element. And I would definitely encourage students to think smaller rather than grander. Um, I agree. I know, you know, there are plenty of people who want to solve world hunger, and that's awesome. But you might start a little bit smaller with something that feels a little bit more personal to you because you probably write a better essay. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. Question five. Discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. This one's um, a, a decent change from the previous year. I don't know. Maybe not, but I think of it that way. Oh, I think it is. I definitely think that it is um, because, well, at least there's the most word change in this. But yes. previously or last year, it's a discuss an accomplishment or event, formal or, or informal, that marked your transition from childhood to adulthood within your culture, community, or family. Man, I I think at College Coach, at least, we all agree that this was the one that you kind of wanted to, we all gagged a little bit over, like, come on, this is not a fair question to, to, to ask a, a high schooler, well, prove to me that you're an adult. And that's the, the essay that we tended to get. And it, it was almost, forcing a student to be something that they're not. Um, so I think across the board, we just really, uh, at least from the former admissions officer side, I, I did not like this, this, this prompt at all. But now I think it's more about, I like the tone of it or the changes that they've made um, that sparked a period of personal growth, a new understanding of yourself or others. That is so important because what it's asking is, you don't have to prove that you're something that you're not, or you don't have to prove to me that you're, you're an adult all of a sudden. But mm-hmm. what in your life has, are, are you, has caused you to think differently about yourself or others? Are you somewhat different than you were a couple years ago? Are you different as a senior than you were as a freshman? And I think everybody can answer that question. Hopefully you, are, you have grown in some way over three years. And that's what this is getting getting at. So I really am uh, applauding comment up to, that they, that they, that they fixed this, this problem. Cause I really think it was broken before. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do, I think that this wording is much, much better and much more easily understood and applied for a lot of students. So Good job, Common App. All right. So now <laughs> we last year there were only five prompts, and um, now we have seven. So um, we are getting tight on time, but let's take you through um, new question number six, brand new. We haven't had it before. Um, describe a topic, idea, or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Why does it captivate you? What or who do you turn to when you want to learn more? Yeah. This is new, and I love it. Um, students should be, well, first of all, if they're going to choose this topic, they definitely should be writing about something they care about. Um, mm-hmm. That's all an admissions officer wants to know. They want to be able to share that student's enthusiasm. So, again, you know, I think that this is a passionate topic, and, and I think that's great. But just remember that, again, there is no right um, thing to choose. You don't need to impress the admissions officer and saying you're you can't you lose all track of time when you do quantum physics if that's true great write about it but if mm-hmm. it's playing guitar that's just as important 
Um, so I'm excited about this prompt, and I think hopefully students should be able to, to re- most students should be able to respond to this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a good one. I think there is some overlap with the first one where they're asking you about a talent, or, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit more specific. And I think students who have worked on an essay that would fit this topic in the past, I probably would have had them use question one. But um, I like that Mm -hmm. this might open them up to start thinking about writing about something like that. Um, So we're at the end of our time. I just want to add that um, I did say spoiler alert earlier, but there is a brand new question seven, and that is actually an old question um, with a few more words around it. So there used to be a prompt that was simply topic of your choice. Um, They've brought it back. Share an essay on any topic of your choice. It could be one you've already written, one that responds to a different prompt, or one of your own design. Really quickly, I just want to throw out there that it's totally fine to use an essay you've written already, but it needs to be a personal essay. So you can't just turn in that awesome English paper you wrote on the scarlet letter and call it a day Mm -hmm. um, because that's not really telling me anything other than that. You can, in theory, write a really good analytical English paper. Um, So topic of your choice is still personal. Um, Lauren, thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Beth. It's always a pleasure to be with you. All right. Well, um, when we get back, we're going to be talking about um, the essay. You know the prompt, so let's start thinking about the essay. So don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for sticking around through our third segment today. Uh, In the previous segment, we were talking about the brand new Common App Prompts, and now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we've got the prompts. Uh, It's time to start thinking about the essay, and so here to do that with me is my colleague, Mary Sue Yoon, who also happens to be a former Barnard Admissions Officer. Hi, Mary Sue. How are you? Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right. I'm excited to have you here today um, because you and I are probably starting to think about this with our students. Um, And, you know, when I think about getting started on the essay, interestingly enough, I promoted this by saying we have the prompts now, so it's time to start thinking about the essay. I actually do not have, I don't start with the prompts. I actually, um, that isn't typically how I get my students started, but I think you might, and I don't think you would be alone in that. So tell me a little bit about how you get your students really started thinking about what they might write their essays about. Yeah. Um, so one of my first assignments for students when, when we start working on the essays um, is to, I, I do start with the prompts and I will have a student uh, as homework go away and sort of brainstorm each one of the prompts. So now that we have seven instead of five, it might take them a little bit longer this year, but mm-hmm. um, spend 10 or 15 minutes brainstorming about each prompt and just think of, are there a couple of topics that you could write about? Are there particular instances? I don't really want them to write the essay just then, um, but just sort of, okay, if I was thinking about, um, you know, something that I was really passionate about, um, as in prompt six that you discussed in the last segment and something that you were really captivated by, you know, what are the things that you're captivated by? Give me two or three ideas of things that you're captivated by. And so that's kind of how I start the process with them, just to kind of get the, the brainstorming going in the process. And, and then we kind of move on from there. Got it. So I, interestingly, I don't completely stay away from the prompts, but I think when we first get started, I have a um, something that I ask them to fill out where I'm just asking them about some different questions to get to know them a little bit better, even though by that this point I usually... I usually know a little bit about them. I know some things that they're involved in. I know some things that are important to them. Um, and I and I really just kind of ask them to think about if you could write your essay about anything, what would you maybe write it about? And so separating the actual prompts just from their initial gut reactions. Um, and I usually have some things that I've thought, boy, this might be a really good topic for your essay. But I I've, it's their essay, so of course I don't want to right away say, I think you should write about this. Um, I want to hear from them what are some things they've thought about. And what I find from that is always sort of interesting is to see who's trying too hard. Um, mm-hmm. And by that I mean, you know, who's coming to me and saying, well, I was thinking I might write an essay comparing myself to a building um, and, you know, have some crazy idea about, you know, being uber creative and when you ask them really to, to help walk you through that and how that's going to tell me anything important about you. And, uh, you know, 
I always find that an interesting exercise. Um, and also the ones who sort of go to the very traditional things that we've always seen kids wanting to write about, right? The, right. the community service that they did or the big sports game that they won or lost or, you know, those things that crop up again and again. I want to see what their instincts are, um, if only to sort of point out sometimes, okay, I get what you're saying there, but I think you don't need to worry about being so creative. Be more down to earth and straightforward. Or, um, you know, how many people do you think could write an essay about this topic? And then they sort of say, well, everyone on my team could write about that essay, about that big game that we lost or that we won and what we learned about it. So maybe it's not specific to me enough. Um, so I always find that piece of the exercise interesting. Um, I'm curious how often students come back for you anyway with really great ideas or if you find that you end up starting in a similar place where you're kind of right. seeing where they're going and redirecting. Yeah, I think we probably both end up at the same place. Um, but so after that homework of come back to me with two or three ideas per topic, you know, ideally mm -hmm. a student would come back with, you know, maybe 15 or 20 different um, ideas that, that, they've, that they've thought about. Um, uh, truthfully, a lot of students come back and say, I really thought about question whatever, and I couldn't come up with anything for that one, so I just kind of moved on. Um, so, you know, most of the time they don't come up with that quite that many, but even in that process of that generation, um, I'll start to see some themes emerge, and so if, you know, two or three per topic, um, you know, five things that they talk about all touch on the same thing. So, for example, I had a student last year who was very much into dance, and whether it was the failure prompt or the talent prompt, you know, there seemed to be a dance thread running through every mm -hmm. single topic she kept um, proposing. And so I was like, well, clearly you're going to write about dance because <laughs> it's in everything that you have here. So... Um, it, now we just need to figure out, okay, what's the angle that you talk about that? Is it perseverance? Is it um, about sort of how you've grown as a dancer? You know, is it your commitment to that? Sort of what are the pieces, what's the angle at which you feel like you could approach it? So, right. um, so we kind of end up in the same place, but I always tell students that doing that generation, it's not for nothing, even if you don't use a lot of those topics that we initially came up with, because sometimes I will go back to those ideas um, later on when we start to look at supplemental essays, which are a whole other uh, can of worms, but um, for specific to different colleges. So, you know, maybe they thought of a great idea that didn't quite work for a main essay, but would work for a supplemental essay for particularly for a specific college on their list. Yeah, and I, well, I was going to, I was laughing as you were saying, you know, and they should come back to me with 15 to 20 ideas. And I was going to say, boy, you have, your students are doing way better than mine because <laughs> I've never had a kid come back with that many. Because I have actually, you know, I said I don't start with the prompts, but I certainly have had students do that exercise of yeah. brainstorming ideas for each one. And um, like you, what I find is that many of them sort of, I wouldn't say they get stuck in a rut, but themes emerge. And yeah. I'm not really seeing so many different ideas as I am seeing so many variations on a theme. Um, and sometimes not even very, very many variations on a theme. Um, what do you do um, if, uh, you know, you're a little stuck? And so I'm thinking about our listeners out there who might not be working with us. And, and you, as a parent, maybe you could see that your son or daughter is 
there are some themes emerging they'd like to write about, but maybe the theme that's emerging is really done to death. And then they're sort of at a loss as to, well, what if I can't write about the big game or, you know, the fact that I just love playing on a team and, you know, I'm looking for something more unique um, because, of course, you can write about it. It's just that so many students will that it's really, you know, the goal of this process is to stand out a little bit. And if you write about the same thing as everyone else, then you're just going to blend in. So what are some tactics you use to try and help students redirect or um, or think about, okay, let's put this topic on the back burner. What else could you possibly write about? Right. So, I mean, I think that if you look at, if you read through all the the essay prompts, every single one of them has the word you in it. And I do highlight that a lot with my students. So it really is not what is about, you know, what makes your friend or family member stand out, but what makes you stand out. And sometimes it can be a really hard thing for a 17-year-old to do to say, how am I different from my friends? Because actually, honestly, a lot of times being a teenager, we just want to conform, right? We don't want to really stand out. So um, I will sometimes say, if you're really stuck, let's, you know, sort of phone a friend kind of way or or text a friend kind of way, you know, and sometimes I'll actually have them do this, right? When they're sitting with me, I'll say, you know, text three of your friends right now and say, just text me back three words to describe me Um, or Mm -hmm. ask your parents when you get home. Um, And so then we kind of start with, okay, is there a common thread of, something that people keep saying about me, that I'm um, a a really hard worker or a really good person, and then say, okay, so what's a story that you could relate out in an essay that would show that characteristic? Uh, I find that oftentimes students are kind of thinking, or they think it has to be too big picture. Again, as Mm -hmm. you were saying in the previous segment, it's not, everybody doesn't have to save the world, and so they're like, I don't have, you know, I'm not that unusual, and they start to panic because... They think, there's nothing that makes me stand out or I'm not that unusual in, in my friend group, but there is something that distinguishes you in your friend group or in your family. And so sometimes it's, you know, turning the lens to somebody else and saying to the people who know you best, what would you say makes me stand out? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a spark of something um, that could be a great story that could maybe go into an essay somehow. Um, so sometimes I'll do that if, if they don't have the ability to kind of think introspectively in that way or to step outside themselves and think, how might I stand out? Maybe someone else can be enlisted to help them find that thing that's unique and interesting about them. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that's a great idea, and um, I love that idea of having them text three friends while you know they're talking to me, and I will be stealing that one. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think I stole it. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. We all steal from each other all the time. So, um, it's whatever works. And and I do I do think it's always a good idea to say. You know, I learned the hard way one year when um, that um, parents sometimes do have really great insight into something that would be appropriate for a student to work on when. Some the student had faced a challenge that I knew nothing about because the student hadn't shared it with me and the parent hadn't shared it with me. And so we were grasping at straws of something to write about, and we found something that was fine. And he worked really hard on this essay, and then three weeks later he came back with a completely different essay about this thing that I knew nothing about. And he said, well, my mom saw, thought I should write about this. And I said, well, of course you should write about this. I didn't. If I'd have known about this, I would have, you know, 
I would have said, write about it. So now I have, um, I try anyway, if I feel like there might be some, if we're struggling, if there Mm -hmm. isn't an obvious thing to write about, to reach out to mom and dad, I'll ask students to, but I will do it also myself to say, hey, you know, we're struggling a little bit. Is there something that you've always thought, oh, this would be the perfect thing for her to write about? Um, And if so, you know, what is it? Because we would really appreciate your input. Um, I know not all students are comfortable asking their parents for this. I think sometimes as parents, one thing to keep in mind is just because your student asks and you have what you think is a great idea doesn't mean they're necessarily going to write about it. And um, I think a lot of times they don't want to ask because once you offer your thoughts, then you think, well, this is what you should write about. Um, so I will just ask all of our parents listening to this today to say to their child, hey, I have some thoughts, but I will just give them to you, and you certainly don't have to write about them if you don't like them. Um, you know, I think that that is um, – but I do – I like that overall idea of kind of going um, – to someone else to get their take if you're really struggling. Uh, I also love that new prompt that they're asking about um, something that you're super passionate about because Mm -hmm. I've had students who do have something that they're particularly passionate about, but because it doesn't fit that, what they are thinking about as a college essay, it never occurs to them they could actually write about that. Yep. Um, So we're... I was also going to say that... um, Yeah. Yeah, that uh, sometimes... Also, don't be afraid to sort of back out if an essay isn't working, um, which mm-hmm. is getting to the importance of kind of starting early on the essay process, you know, preferably in the summer between 11th and 12th grade, because I've had students uh, have what we think at the beginning is a great essay idea, and then they start to write it, they get a few drafts in, and it's just really not translating to paper the way that the student perhaps envisioned it, and maybe not conveying, you know, as much of their, pers- as their, per- of their personality as the admissions officer would like to see. So um, I think sometimes it's good to maybe think of, okay, here's one idea you could write about, but if that doesn't work, you know, don't be afraid to sort of say, we're going to put that one aside and try another tactic and see if that tactic works better. Um, Because sometimes it does. And, you know, I wouldn't say that's for everybody, but for some students you have to be um, mature enough to say, this isn't working and let's try something else. And sometimes the something else ends up being a fantastic essay. Yes, totally agree with that. I would say, though, that um, as an addendum to that, to those who are sitting here and saying, well, if it doesn't work the very first draft, then I'm going to start a whole new one because we have both experienced that before. Yeah, of course. Wow, (laughs) that makes me nuts. Um, That this is a process. This is something you are going to write, and then a good essay is likely going to go through multiple drafts. And so I think the distinction to make is the one that you made, which is it's not really turning out the way you want it to versus it's not immediately perfect. There are, those are two very different things. Yeah, um, so, so beware of just abandoning things with abandon. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you should be able to get there. Within one or two topics, you probably um, will have what you need. Mary Sue, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Beth. Absolutely. And thanks to all my guests today. Um, next week, I'm actually back. I'm super excited. It'll be two weeks in a row that I'm hosting the show uh, for the first time in really a long time. Um, we're going to be doing another state system spotlight, this time on the state uh, university system of New York. We're going to be talking about the selectivity of the different schools and the differences between the campuses. We did this a little while ago with the California schools. Um, so New York is next week. We're also going to be answering your college finance and admissions questions. So email us, gettingin.voiceamerica.gmail. 
gmail.com. Visit our archives, archive, excuse me, and our blog. There's tons of great stuff. Um, the blog is at blog.getintocollege.com. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.